Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Broken Banquet, a podcast about missions. We are your hosts, Will Bailey and Dr. Ashley Goad, and we are so glad that you have joined us for another conversation about the church and missions, about what healthy mission relationships can look like, and as we hear from others who have dedicated their lives in one way or another to mission work. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Will. How are you? Best day ever. It's another best day ever. I love that. It is a best day ever because I'm talking to you. We're on the Broken Banquet podcast. It's a good day at church. Everything is just everything is just good. How That's are you? Good. Uh, I'm I'm good. We're good. Things are moving along here. Uh, yeah, no complaints. Excited to be talking to you again and and hearing from folks about about missions. Ashley, I, you know we were actually just in Shreveport. Yolanda and I were. And that was awesome to get to see you and, and church family there. But it just reminded me of how frustrating it was for the last couple of years, I think, for both of us to not be able to travel. You know, I travel back and forth to the States pretty frequently to visit the churches that support what we're doing. And I know you travel on a regular basis to visit your different mission partners around the world. Um, so, man, it just feels so good to be traveling again. It does feel good to be traveling again. I, yesterday during my sermon, I was t- lamenting the fact that I traveled 182 days in 2019 to visit around the world, just visiting our our global mission partners. And uh, that came to an absolute halt in 2020. And I actually think I traveled more in 2020 than I did in 2021 which is just crazy to me. Um, I was able to fit in a couple of trips in 2020 down to see you and down to Haiti. But then as 2021 came, I was unable to travel much at all. So it's been nice to pick back up. I've been down to see you this year and I was able to travel around to see a few of our partners as they've been here in the United States, just to visit with them face to face. And that's been nice. But I just got back from Iceland and Iceland was incredible. And not work-related. And it wasn't work-related. Though I guess the perk that I do love about this job is that no one else can have my frequent flyer miles. So when it comes time for us to take a vacation, I often tell Chris, well, the world is our oyster. Where do we want to use our miles this year? So I went to Iceland and had a marvelous time. That's awesome. I'm very, very happy for you that you got to to have that time of adventure and rest and 180 days a year of traveling is insane. It's crazy. Well, when, when you think about it, um, anytime I go to Australia or New Zealand, you can't just do that in a week. You know, you have to stay for about three weeks to really get to see both partners in Australia and New Zealand. Whenever I'm flying to Uganda to see the Boons, you can't just go for a couple of days. You have to stay for a couple of weeks because if you're going to fly that far, yeah, you just need to stay for a while. So, and then I like to try to get around to before COVID, I try to get around to everybody at least once a year. So when you count 10 partners, it's a lot of travel. I hope to get back to that in 2023. That's, that is a lot of travel and, and uh, gosh, that's amazing that your church gets it and, and realizes how 
how important that is for those relationships. And, and I'm sure that's, I'm sure it's hard sometimes. I'm sure there's people who don't get it and just think, Oh, Ashley, the frequent flyer, she's off again. We certainly know how important it is to be able to spend time with you. And I know the other partners do as well. Well, I was going to say to that, and we can use this for our future podcast, but (laughs) the number one question I always get asked is, what are you going to do? Uh What are you going to do? And so I've talked a lot about the ministry of presence. I don't know if Henry Nowen was the one that coined that phrase or not, uh, but the the gift of your being present with people, the gift of your presence, the gift of your time, uh, I've had a lot of buy-in with that. So while I still do get asked questions about how was your vacation um, on all of these trips, uh, I do try to say, well, we were being present with our global mission partners around the world. That's awesome. Well, I've got another trip coming up to, I'm going to fly to California uh, on Friday, Saturday morning. I get there at about four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to have dinner with some folks from the church. I'm going to preach Sunday morning, have lunch with people from the church, and then fly back to Costa Rica. So I, I may be in California for less than 24 hours. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of our partner churches and they sustained us during the pandemic and I haven't seen them in, it's probably been four or five years since I've been there and about that long since they've sent a team here. And so it's just, it's just time, you know, it's time for us to spend some time together, even if it's brief. Well, I know they will be blessed by your presence, just like we were here in Shreveport a couple of weeks ago. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a while back, you and I uh, had the opportunity to talk to Nate Hutchison, and I would love it if you would maybe tell people a little bit about who Nate is before we get into his interview today. Oh, I would love to. Nate and his wife, Whitney, they have three wonderful children, Lane, Henry, and Finn. They have been in New Zealand planting churches now for about 15 years, and I loved how Nate was just so honest with us about some of the challenges that they've faced since they've been in New Zealand, some of the missteps that they've had along the way, and especially now after COVID, how they've seen God moving in their church in Auckland. They are so committed to the community there in Auckland, uh, the people that they are serving, the people that they're in partnership with now to grow the church. And I love how he talks about creating community and creating leadership amongst that community. So I can't wait for all of our listeners to hear from Nate Hutchison about Church Northwest and their partnership. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Nate Hutchison. Nate, welcome to the Broken Banquet Podcast. It is so good to have you here. I was thinking today, before we started recording, um, that the first time I met you uh, was through a friend of ours named John Woodward, and he and I had known each other for several years, and he was transitioning over to an organization called South Pacific Christian Fellowship. And he had just been on his first trip down under to uh, New Zealand and Australia, And he had Mm -hmm. met this great guy, this really great guy named Nate Hutchison. And Nate was, I know, and he was, Nate was moving back to Auckland from Christchurch. And he said, Ashley, 
you have just got to meet this guy named Nate. And I was like, well, I would love to meet this guy named Nate. Mm -hmm. And then John calls like the next week and he said, guess who's going to be coming through Shreveport in just a little bit. And y'all, I live in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, I said, well, who's going to be coming through? He said, Nate Hutchison from, from New Zealand. And I was like, well, gosh, I would love to meet him. And sure enough, you and your dad had been in Houston with your mom and mm -hmm. you had just put her on a plane back to Kentucky. She'd been receiving some treatment there at MD Anderson. That's right. And you just put her on the plane back and you were going to be driving with your dad back to Kentucky. And could you just stop through in, um, in Shreveport, Louisiana? And sure enough, we made some plans, met at a coffee shop, and when you walked in, Nate, I kid you not, I felt like we were going to be best friends for the rest of our lives. Oh, uh, so did I. I saw you guys, and I was like, every one of you were so friendly, and I, I really feel like that was a divine appointment, that God set that up, that we would be driving right through town just at the right time to meet up with you guys and to start this beautiful relationship, so praise God for that. Praise God for that. Well, why don't you tell all of our listeners, our hundreds of thousands of listeners, why don't you tell them who you are, Nate? Well, I'm Nate Hutchison, married to Whitney. We've been in New Zealand planting churches uh, since 2007. We've had three kids here in New Zealand, so they are Kiwi kids. We've got Lane, who's 14, Henry's 12, and Finn is 8. And we have a beautiful mess of a life trying to church plant and raise kids and now teenagers. Oh, my goodness. It's uh, it's all on out now, guys. So uh, keep praying. God for bless us you. Here. Yes. Uh, but now we've been church planting in New Zealand uh, since 2007. We've planted one in Christchurch, which was right in the midst of a bunch of earthquakes that happened down there. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. And then we moved up here in 2015 to um, Auckland, and we've started uh, Church Northwest here in Auckland, New Zealand. So we're in our third year now. Um, it's been an amazing ride to this point. Uh, lots of ups and downs, lots of learning that we've um, done here in New Zealand. and But we've been blessed along the way to know people uh, like you, Ashley, getting to know you now, Will, uh, who's, you know, just to be in in community with people all around the world now through uh first united methodist um it's been it's been really great to get to uh to experience that nate can you can you explain just a little bit about the kind of the the church culture dynamic where you guys are because i mean i grew up in the southeast of uh of the united states um until i moved to costa rica and and church was just sort of the air that everybody breathed you know you went to school and mm. you went to church and that's just the the ones who didn't were the the sort of the exception to the rule and from what i understand that's not exactly the case where you guys are can, can you sort of set that up for everybody so that those who aren't familiar with that dynamic kind of what, what does that look like for you guys yeah, church is not uh, not as big of a deal here now in New Zealand. It used to be. Um, it, we, we're probably what we would call a post-Christian society. And um, if you're from the USA, uh, a lot of people estimate New Zealand's probably about 20 to 30 years down the road to where, where you might be headed, hopefully not uh, in terms of post-Christianity. So, uh, yeah, Billy Graham came through in the 60s. Uh, and to make a long story short, he did a great job um, spreading the gospel when he left, uh, there there wasn't uh, a lot of leadership set up in uh, some of the new churches. So there was a lot of um, 
unhealthy situations, I guess I would say, uh, in a lot of churches that uh, have burned people. People have turned their backs on the church. Um, and then the other thing that happened was like a polarization of different kinds of churches. So one end of the extreme was the extremely Pentecostal, kind of scary side of Pentecostal stuff happening. And then on the other side was like High Church of England, very distant um, robes and stained glass, kind of like, you know, and people were like, that's for my grandma. That's scary. I'm out of here, you know? And so we've, we've had people turning their backs on the church and then and on God as well. And so uh, now to bring up Jesus in New Zealand is uh, just as bad as trying to speak about politics with someone. They don't want to hear it. There's so much baggage around it. So we've got a lot of work to do in terms of just building relationships. So that's, that's our thing is long-term relationship building uh, to draw people back to God uh, through his church, through his bride. Do you have any idea just off the top of your head, percentage wise, like how many, how many New Zealanders are what we would consider, you know, faithful, consistent church goers? It's estimated between three and 5% of the population. Wow. Yeah. When I first heard that, when you first told me that I was shocked just absolutely shocked. But that's me coming from a Bible belt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there'd be a lot of people that would say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Then you, you ask them a few more questions. Well, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go to church or uh, Christmas and Easter. That's about it. And, and so they, they would call themselves like in a, in a census, they would, they might have checked the Christian box, but, uh, the, the most recent poll was the, the majority of people now have no religion. So that's New Zealand in a nutshell from a spiritual standpoint at this point. I just think that's going to that's gonna take a while for a lot of people to kind of get their heads around. Um, is, I mean, what, is it, what does it mean to be a church planter in a place where you are that much of in the minority and just how many challenges... Is there culturally how much resistance? I mean, is it are people just indifferent to it? Is it hostile towards church mm. planters, or is it just like nobody will listen, or is yeah. it you feel like there's a lot of hunger and it's just sort of navigating that? Uh, I think there's a lot of hunger for spirituality. Uh, there's there's a lot of interest and appetite for the. Uh, ex- I don't know what's the word, the extraterrestrial kind of stuff, like what's what's happening out there kind of situation in the, the other dimensions, right? Um, so there's a lot of new age spirituality, a lot of interest in that. Um, but there's there is a hang up on Jesus. They they're like I you know, it's a there's too much baggage there now. Uh, they're not resistant to church planters. I think I think the the thing about Kiwis is if you if you get to know them, like man, they they love you. They they're they're very keen on relationship building, um, and so that's that's our thing is just long term, slow going, and and that's one of the things when we moved over here to New Zealand was we just learned, and I learned this really from my wife that we need to take our time. And Whitney has a degree in intercultural studies, and so uh, when she when she moved from the USA to New Zealand to have her on our team was amazing because she was kind of helping us understand what it means to transition into a new culture. And so our whole first year here in New Zealand, we just took our time to get to understand what it means to live in New Zealand, what it means to become 
like a Kiwi. That's, that's what they call New Zealanders. Um, so we, we didn't do a whole lot, but we accomplished so much. And that's, that's kind of one of my big things right now in leadership is in order to accomplish a lot, I need to do less. And if I do less, then others can accomplish more as well. Do you feel like you were prepared for that ahead of time? Did you know going in, this is going to take a while and we have to take it slow and we have to invest in these one-on-one long-term relationships or coming out of the United States where, you know, it, we were just so into instant gratification. Was, was that a shock for you to realize, Oh, it's not going to happen that way. We've got to kind of slow down a little bit. Yeah. I think it was a, a bit of a, there was some resistance on our team to like, Oh no, we sh- we need to go, go, go and do, do, do coming out of American culture and having the supporters, um, not saying this to us necessarily, but in our minds, we were thinking when we get to New Zealand, We've got to show them that we're actually doing something immediately, right? And so the expectation that we put on ourselves was that they wanted to see action, right? But when we talked to them, they they really got the whole thing behind, hey, we're coming into a new culture. We need to understand who we are, who they are, who we can become in order to bring the gospel into this scenario, right? So that whole first year, uh, that's what we did. And it was the best decision that we did not to start a church plant straight away. We, we spent a whole year. What, what happened was we were invited by a church uh, that was an existing congregation, Shore Community Church, and they invited us in and we became sort of like interns with them. And it was a beautiful situation because we got to actually like sort of dip our toes in to the water of like ministry in New Zealand without um, having our own church plant already. You know what I mean? And, and that way we could make, little mistakes and learn from our, you know, American, try to shed our Americanness. So we learned a little bit of that. We, we dipped our toes into ministry and then we, then we planted a church after another furlough. We took another furlough back, came back again, raised funds on that furlough and started a church plant the next uh, year. So in 2009. So I have another question for you related to that. And it really comes from um, sort of my own personal experience and something that I've had to think about a lot and and a question I've had to answer more than once from people who want to know, like, are there not Costa Ricans who can do what I'm doing? I've been here for 20 years now working with the Methodist Church of Costa Rica, but why did it have, why did it need to be someone from the United States coming to head this ministry? And, and you used a word that's very important to me, um, you know, I was invited here by the Methodist Church of Costa Rica to do what I'm doing. But do you know what motivated that local church to reach out to you to come and do what you guys are doing rather than, you know, um, a young couple of, of New Zealanders? Well, I'll address your first question. It was um, why, why, why Americans coming to New Zealand? Why me? Why my family? Why Whitney and I myself? I actually had right, that question right. asked to me by uh, someone in our life group, our first life group that we started here in Auckland. And uh, it was a bit, ooh, I was like, oh, that's a really good question. And you know what? It didn't have to be us. It could have been anyone in New Zealand starting a new church. That is the, that's the truth. But I believe that God called us out of our comfort into a different place 
for our hearts to be molded. It, it, the, the journey was for us to grow closer to, to Christ through moving out of our home into a new home, learning a new culture, being out of our um, comfort zone, right? And needing him more. And I really I needed that at that point in my spiritual journey. I needed to need him and not rely on myself. What I was doing in the States, I feel like I could do without God, unfortunately. And I was a worship leader in a church, <laughs> okay? I And I was praying, God, put me in a place where I need to rely on you. He sent me to New Zealand. Like, it was, that was the answer to that prayer. And so I told the guy who asked me, I was like, it could have been you planting a church. So first of all, it's about, yeah, it's about that journey for the the, the church planter, for the missionary. Secondly, do you want to plant a church in New Zealand, Kiwis? Like, is anyone, anybody keen? Like, let's do it. And that's kind of what we're we're doing now is like we want to get local leadership involved uh, to plant a church. And sometimes it just takes someone from somewhere else that has a different perspective to get something started like that. But it, if all we're doing is sending Americans to New Zealand over and over and over, I think we've missed the mark. We need to raise up indigenous leadership here. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate your your honesty and candor, and um, I can relate to to your journey and the idea that maybe at that time it was you who needed them, not them who needed you. And then yes. through that, you know, what kind of a rela- relationship can can evolve out of that? That's going to be good for the community. That's that's fantastic. Thank you. No worries, man. I have so much I want to say. <laughs> Well, number one, I I also love your honesty about that too, because if I'm bringing it to my level at the local church, how often do I get asked, why do you have to go over there anywhere? Isn't there enough work to do here? And I'll make that connection of saying, yes, that there is, there's so much to do here, but God has called me and this church also to go elsewhere and to be family with people all over the world. And so we're not neglecting our calling here in the Shreveport community, but we're also wanting to go out and unite with our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. So I appreciate that, that you were invited, you had a calling, you were faithful to those things. And I think that that's what we're all called to do is just to be faithful to the voice that we hear of God as he's calling us out. Mm. And that's scriptural, you know, Acts 1.8. Yeah, no. believe it or not, that's in the Bible, Ashley. Did you know that? Yeah, you didn't just really? Yeah, you didn't just make that stuff up, Ashley. That's in the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. It's in there. That's Acts the book 1, for me. That's right. It better be. Um, <laughs> you know, Acts 1.8, Jesus tells the disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So for Ashley, that's Shreveport. For me, that's San Isidro, Costa Rica. Nate, for you, that's Auckland throughout Judea and Samaria. I mean, we can sort of imagine what those places are for us and to the ends of the earth. There's no or in that verse. So, you know, we don't get to overlook Jerusalem just because it's more fun to go to the ends of the earth, but we also can't neglect the ends of the earth just because there's needs right in front of us in our Jerusalem. So there's got to be balance. And I know that's something that's going to come up probably often during this podcast is that this can't, your church can't just get excited about going faraway places and and neglect your neighbors that are right in front of you. Um, mm. So congratulations and, uh, for applying the Bible, Ashley. Thank what about you. Isaiah? Isaiah is how we say Isaiah. 
Isaiah in New Zealand. Isaiah. That's how everybody nine. should say it. Isaiah. Let's all let's all say it together. Isaiah. 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 Yeah. Isaiah. Sounds so, smarter. In in chapter six, who will go for me? Who's gonna go? And he raises saying, So God's ascending God. He's he's always sending people out, right? Like that's that's part of what it means to follow Jesus is you're following him somewhere else sometimes. Sometimes it's it's following him right where you are. But man, my parents when uh when we told them we're leaving New we're leaving to move to New Zealand, and then a couple months later we were like we're also having a baby. Sorry. We didn't know this was going to happen. And we, so we move and, and they're like, well, you know, we, we love you. We support you. And I guess we can't be surprised when we raise up a, a, a son in a Christian home and ask him to follow Jesus, that he actually goes and follows Jesus somewhere. Like they, they were so supportive, but heartbroken at the same time that they were like kind of losing uh, their, their, youngest son and his family to go overseas and we've been here for 15 years now we didn't think we'd even be here this long but now new zealand's home and we you know we've got uh we've got more work to do here so who knows where this journey's going to lead but we we're so glad that god called us to it well i've heard you talk a lot about the things that you learned when planting a church in Christchurch and all of the things that you've learned, you're now applying to Church Northwest in Auckland. Do you want to talk a little bit about the differences in planting those two churches or maybe the lessons you have learned that you're now applying and how things have gone differently this go around? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So the, the, the major difference between uh, the two, uh, from a leadership perspective, is the, and this is huge. We were just sort of dropped into Christchurch like a parachute church plant, right? They parachuted us in, not literally. How cool would that be, though, if we literally parachuted in? Okay, that would be a great way to start a church because people would be like, "What's going on?" And then, okay, we're having it. We're, we're going to meet Jesus here at the bottom. Okay, um, I digress. But so we were dropped into to Christchurch, so to speak. And we had no like local leadership to help us with that. We did it ourselves. Okay, so we were two uh, American families and one Kiwi family. We started it in a pub, and that was key because that's where people go, right? We wanted to go where people go. People didn't go to church, so we didn't go start church in a church building. We started church where they go. And it's a family place. The pub is a family place. Like all the kids are there. And so it's a beautiful spot to to, to get started. But we were getting started uh, just as the church plant team, right? We didn't have local leadership to support us. And so the goal was always, hey, we're going to do our best to raise up leaders and have elders. But we never did. Like we we were young. We were um, naive. We thought from a leadership standpoint, the more I do, the, the more I'm a leader. But really, like I'm learning right now from Andy Stanley, I mentioned before, uh, the less I do, the more I accomplish. And the less I do, the more others can accomplish. So in Auckland, we started churches, uh, this church with local leadership borrowed from a church down the road. It was actually the first church that we came to in, in Auckland that invited us over. We said, hey, can we borrow two elders and we'll join up with the church plant 
team to form a local eldership. And we have local elders now, and they're helping us uh, guide. Uh, they're guiding us through planting a church. And now those two have, after three years, now those two have gone back to shore. And we have six elders from within Church Northwest on the ground here. They're involved in everyday church life. And they are, they're the ones that are guiding us and leading us through this church plan. Can I can I jump in just for a second? Because you told me that story when we were together uh, you know, a month ago, and that <laughs> just where, blew where my were mind. We, where, where were we when I told you that story? We were having lunch together in the Vatican Museum in Rome, oh, Italy, right. in the that's midst right. of an amazing missionary family retreat. Thanks, Ashley. Was, thank you, Ashley, and First United Methodist Shreveport. Happy to yeah. help, happy to help. And I don't know if this is something that like everybody does, and I just didn't know about it, but I have never heard of a church being started with borrowed leadership from another. I've heard of churches planting churches. I've heard of churches, you know, you send some people who feel like they've been called out of your congregation to start a new congregation. But I've never heard of leadership being loaned to a new church before for a period of time, what, three years, and then returning back to their church. And if everybody does it, good for everybody. If they don't, that's one of the most incredible acts of generosity that I've ever heard of from a church. And it's not, and it's not like that they sent like their least involved members either. They sent like the cream of the crop, amazing church leaders from Shore that they depend on every week at Shore to go over and help start this community, this new community. So I, I was blown away by that because Richard and Christina are just fantastic people. Yep. And R- Richard's gone back and he's now the chairman of the board of, of Shore Community Church. So he's, yeah, he's an integral part of that church and they, they did send their best and we were so grateful for that. And it may, it has made a huge difference guys, because we have a healthy church that's, um, you know, we're, we're meeting our goals financially with giving. We're, we're meeting our goals with um, people getting involved and leadership stepping up. And we've had like one of our elders just preached last Sunday. Um, I got to go away on the trip that you just mentioned for four Sundays. And we had other worship leaders stepping in and people setting up, people going to get the church trailer and setting up and all that. And, and these guys, they love us and they take care of us as church planters. Uh, in fact, we've, we've got now the ability to hire someone because someone spoke up and said, Nate's exhausted at the end of Sunday. We need to, we need to pay someone three hours a Sunday to, to go and get the trailer and lead the setup team. So he's not like a zombie at the end of the day. And now that's happening. And, and that's all because of local leadership. What I heard there was that you with Shore Community have this amazing partnership. So you as church planters and Shore Community Church having this really good, healthy, mutually beneficial partnership. So when you're thinking about that in the context of you as a missionary, you as a church planter serving, how would you define healthy partnership between you and supporting churches that are connected to you and your family in your church? Yeah, so the traditional way that we've we've been supported until we met you uh, was that we would we would be given support uh, financially. 
which is amazing. Like, and we, we love our supporters and a lot of them we have personal connections to already because that's the way it usually goes. Like you have a personal connection and they trust you. So they're supporting us and they have been from day one. They've been giving and that's, that's been amazing. Um, but we really only see them when we go back on furlough and occasionally uh, there would be a kind of a, a meeting set up like on a Zoom call or something like that, which is good. That's good too. Um, otherwise, like there's a there's quite a distance between us and them. And that's, that's okay. That's the way it's always been done. Uh, but the way we've experienced church uh, support from Shreveport is, man, abiding with us has made such an impact on our family. It's been such a radical way of doing missions. Um, and it's been so unexpected. Like it's, it's generous love and care for our family to form deep connections between our family and other missions partners that you serve around the world. Um, it's a massive departure from that traditional approach. I don't know anyone else really that the other churches support. And it's been absolutely life-giving to our family. And the bottom line is that we don't just know that you love us. We a we've actually experienced that through quality time on multiple occasions already in just a few short years. So it's, it's even just a, a quick text or it's uh, an unexpected FaceTime call just to say, hey, like that's, that's what a friend does. And that's what I feel like we can do as churches who support missions around the world, we can just, it doesn't have to be so formal and like everything doesn't have to be a meeting. You know what I mean? And that makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's when we set out to be a different type of missions ministry that in my dissertation that I wrote, we called it faithful friendship. Like that's what I wanted to to try to create was just faithful friendship and interdependent mm. partnerships, but that's just a really big mouthful. So faithful friendship. And that's when we talk about you all, um, the people that we support and love around the world, we talk about you as friends and as family. And over the course of time, I've been the lucky one to be able to really call you and others, some of my best friends. Y'all are Y'all are the inner circle. You're, you're the friends. And I think that I do love that about, and I know that not everybody listening to this, if you're part of a local church, I know everybody cannot, well, they're not just going to get on a plane to New Zealand once a year to come visit. Like it's just not affordable, but there are ways to stay connected with people, especially now that we've been through Zoom and COVID. There's so many good ways to be connected. Hmm. So that was going to be my next question, and really for for both of you, um, you know, Nate on on your end of the relationship, and Ashley on your end, how do you, what kinds of opportunities um, can you create for members of a particular church that is part of that support to feel like they are sitting at the table with the Hutchisons? How do you? Mm -hmm hope that the average church member from 
for example, Ashley's church that isn't going to be able to come to New Zealand and just spend a week just being with you guys. So how do you translate that to them so that they feel like somehow they are connected to your family, to this new church, to the effort to reach out to people in New Zealand who are hungry for the gospel? What do you, Nate, on your end, expect that part to to look and feel like? And Ashley, what do you expect from, from the local church end for that to look and to feel like? Well, for for me, I'd, I don't think I could ever expect. Um, we have, I think, we have six, seven church plants, churches that support us. And if we had all seven churches doing um, what First United Methodist Church does, it would it would probably be overwhelming. So I couldn't, I could not expect that kind of level of of, of support, like the trips here and bringing us places. But what what anyone can do is to, like I said, to connect with us on an individual level and, and for Whitney and I to, to, to be able to like uh, reach out to individual members of every uh, church, that's not going to happen, right? That's just not, uh, we've, we've got a church plant here and there's just too many people, right? That's not going to happen. But we do send out uh, newsletters every other month and people can sign up to get those and they can understand what's happening here and they can pray for us and they can go on our website and see prayer requests. Right. And they can, then what they can do is write us uh, a card. Like that happens literally every week we get a card from someone in Treeport and it's, it's so cool. We, we don't have the time to reply to all of them, but um, we get them and it feels like love, you know, it feels like they care. We haven't met them. Most of them. But they're they're letting us know that they're praying for us and they know what's happening, and because they've taken the time to to find out what's happening and Ashley's in, informed them and that kind of thing. So I feel like on an individual level, that's that's really all we can es- expect, or and that's probably all we could we could take on, because mission trips to New Zealand are very expensive, and and also we're not uh, the type of country that would be probably benefited very much from that type of a trip um, unless it was to come and to abide with us and to come and take care of the church planters. Uh, That kind of thing has been amazing. We've had that happen uh, with Ashley and that's been perfect. But other, like other than that, no one's, we don't need anything built here. We couldn't afford to build anyway. We don't have land. So uh, there's not like that kind of thing available in New Zealand and probably in a lot of other countries. Well, I think I love your answer about abiding. So, so one thing, so we have come to New Zealand twice, only two times. Um, and I have brought three couples. So of our 5,000 member church, seven people have come to visit you. Um, so I, it is my job to make the 5,000 feel like your family is a part of the family here in Shreveport. So that means that I put your face everywhere so that Mm. when you do come and visit, people know your face and know that you belong here, that you're part of the family. Um, It's my job to put your kids' birthdays and your anniversary and your birthdays and publish those everywhere so that people can remember you on days that are special to you. Um, It's my job to make sure that when you 
have prayer needs that you are part of the prayer ministry so that they are sitting and praying for you every week in our prayer chapel. Um, so whenever we have opportunities for needing a speaker at our breakfast of blessings or our national prayer day or, you know, whatever the case is, that you are one of the first asked to come and be part of that um, so that you can tell your story and share with people. Um and when we have church-type trips that are educational and around the world, that we include you on those things. So I, I hope, my, my hope in this, this whole, <laughs> this whole uh, experiment of bringing together a global missions ministry is literally creating family beyond our square footage here at Common Street, that we are creating family across the across the globe um so i feel i feel like it it, it is always interesting that when i'm trying to explain to someone if we are going to come visit you well what are we going to do that's the number one question i get Mm -hmm. and i answer it with um what do you do when you go visit your family you eat together play together maybe go see some things together and you just be together and Mm -hmm. It's been a very interesting way of trying to explain that's how we do missions. Yeah, I, I feel like you would have a really hard time trying to convince um, people in within an American context, in the American culture. It's it's all about accomplishing things and doing things, and we're going to go and we're going to change the world, right? Like how you do that is really important, right? And And sometimes it does look like just being somewhere with another person and i always i went to take some classes on counseling at laid law uh, here in auckland and one of my professors jane hepburn always uh, reminded us that there's healing in the relationship between counselor and counselee right your client sometimes it's more important just to be with them and to befriend them it's more important than what you say or some technique that you use and I think it comes back to the fact that the the best gift we can ever give someone is our presence because that's God in us. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. And somehow if we can bring him out of us into a relationship, maybe for a moment we can experience God in, in, in a physical way because we, we, we sort of try and experience him as friend while we can't see him. But maybe you and I, together, wherever two or three are gathered, here I am. Jesus said that. There, there might be something to that. And I feel like just being together brings the presence of God a little more tangible, you know? So when I was listening to Ashley talk about those sort of tangible things that church members at her church do, it sounds to me a lot like um, there has to be commitment and you have to spend time and energy to do those things, right? Um, which to me sounds like the challenge, and, and maybe this will be challenging for some of our, our listeners and some of the churches that listen to this, is what does it take to develop a church culture, a local church culture, where those things, spending time and energy and being committed to those things, aren't a burden? They're just natural. That's what the church does. 
is because um, we get those letters too, Nate. And and every time I'm just like, my gosh, how do they get people to keep doing this <laughs> every week? And it's because it's gotten to the point over the years where that's just a natural part of being a part of that church body is investing time and energy in those connections with your family, with our family, with these other families all over the world. It's the uh, like the, the the cards we get those um, little care packages sometimes with notes from kids. It seems like, uh, I don't know what you're doing behind the scenes, but it feels like it's a really intentional thing that you're gathering people maybe sometimes in a room and saying, hey, kids, here's what, there are some other kids on the other side of the world. They're doing some pretty cool things. Why don't you write them a note? And then you put them in a box. And that, that takes, a. I mean, there's probably heaps of admin that you're doing uh, to get all that stuff sent over to us. So it it does take time and effort. And some churches just don't have someone that has that the job that you have. So I get that. I, I understand that it's not possible for everyone to, to do things at this level. But it, it all doesn't have to be that hard either. And that's what I meant just by checking in personally with people. That, that can be done really quickly and easily. So my daughter, Isabella, is eight years old. And she had two birthdays during COVID. And I think it was her second of those two birthdays. Um, we got a package from the children at First Report. And when I gave, I gave her the package, still wrapped, and said, the, the children from our friend Ashley's church sent this to you for your birthday. And she just sat down and started crying. Like she was so overwhelmed. Before she even opened it, she was so overwhelmed by that gesture from those children and feeling in a time when we were all so disconnected from everybody. And, and for her to feel like there, there are other children somewhere in the world who care about the fact that it's my birthday. That was good gracious. Who does that? You know? Mm. And I think what you and I, as parents, we experience what Isabella experienced in that moment, but just over and over and over again, when we have these kinds of relationships and I don't just sit down on the floor and cry anymore. I probably should more than I do, but it's that same thing. It's just that overwhelming awareness of, God loving us that much through people um, who he's put in our lives. And, um, you know, maybe that's, maybe those are what those moments of sitting at the table together are supposed to feel like. I I have chats with people all the time about um, when they say, "I, I, I want to do things differently or, or I want to be a better churchgoer. or I want to do these things. And, and, and we talk about priorities. What is your priority? What is your priority in life? And they were like, well, of course, my relationship with God, my family. And then I'll ask, well, if you look back on your last month, would the time that you spent, the time you recorded, would that reflect these priorities? And that's a cause of reflection of, am I really spending the time I need to be spending on doing these things that I say are important to me? So I feel like what we've done here at our church is we've cast these priorities that you are a priority to us. Missions, local and global, are priorities to us. And when we look back over the last few weeks, do our does our time spent 
match that priority. And when we reflect on that, and I hope that we, I've been reflecting on it a lot, but I ask our folks to, to reflect on that. And then we decide, do we need to be intentional about making sure our time is spent in a way that our priorities really are our priorities? And I think that when we made that shift as a church uh, and really wanting to make missions a priority, then we intentionally aligned our time to make sure that that was matching our time was matching what we said our priorities were. And I think mm-hmm. that any church can do that. It doesn't matter about resources. It doesn't matter about uh, money. It doesn't matter about what you have, if you can go. But if these things are your priorities, if God is calling you to these things, then look back on your time and reflect and see if your time is being matched for your priorities and how you can be intentional about making sure the people that you say are your priorities really are. So, hey, what what I wanted to say, Ashley, to that is that I understand like that it's hard to get this right. But the thing is, we don't have to do it perfectly. Um, it, it comes back to the whole broken banquet. It is broken, right? We're in we're in we're at the table and it's not perfect. It's not going to be perfect, but we can do our best to just love each other in the midst of it, in the gap. Amen. Will, that was amazing. I love talking to Nate Hutchison. I love his enthusiasm. His joy is contagious. Whenever you are in the room with Nate, you automatically have a smile on your face and feel the love of Jesus. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it really was good. And, you know, after spending some time with Nate at the retreat that we went on um, to have a chance to talk to him again and have him share even more about just their their call to the mission field and what that's looked like was, yeah, it was super. Um, and I'm really excited because we actually are going to have a conversation with Nate and Whitney for a future podcast episode. And they're going to talk some about family dynamics and, you know, where is home for a missionary family and some cultural issues. So very much looking forward to talking to Nate again, but also hearing from from Whitney. Likewise, Will, I'm looking on this list of future episodes and future interviews and the diversity of the people, the different countries around the world, which they're serving, the great personalities. I cannot wait to introduce these are people I love to our listeners. I think that everyone's lives will be enriched by hearing these stories. I agree, Ashley. I can't wait. I'm so excited about this. Uh, it's been great spending the day with you and can't wait for the next one. Me too, Will. Have a great day. Bye, Ashley. Bye, Will. You've been listening to The Broken Banquet, a podcast by Will Bailey and Ashley Goad. Music provided by Irene and the Sleepers. Join us next week for another episode. He's prepared the table. All things are ready. Come to the feast.
Nate Hutchinson, it has been a pleasure having you on the Broken Podcast. Broken Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, that, yeah. The broken Podcast. <laughs> Let's start that over. Uh, okay. All right. Hold on. Let me turn my do not disturb back on. Nate Hutchison, it has been wonderful to spend this time with you on the Broken Banquet podcast. It has been delightful just hearing your story and hearing your story of, of how things are going in, in Auckland, New Zealand and New Zealand as a whole. And I want to end on this one question where you're going to ask this to every interviewee that we have on the Broken Banquet podcast. So our last question for you is this. If... No, mm-mm, it's not yes. if. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were doing so yeah. well. What is one question you wish people would ask you? Would you please ask me, what is my high score in basketball at the YMCA League in West Auckland, New Zealand? Nate Hutchison, what is the highest score at the West Auckland YMCA League that you have scored? Okay, I'm not that I'm not that good, but honestly, one game, it just everything was like pumping, man. And 34 points in one game. I felt I'm impressed. So great about that, guys. And I, I really appreciate you asking that question. Wow. I why would you even think to ask that? So would you say that that was a highlight of your life in ministry in New Zealand was that basketball game? Well, it didn't make the newsletter uh, because I don't think Whitney would let me put that in there. But mm. um, yeah, probably next to baptizing my neighbor, that's probably right up there, to be honest. So your children were born in New Zealand. You've, you've started a, a successful church. Um, you baptized your neighbor and... Your thirty-point basketball game was a highlight. I respect that. Yeah. I totally respect that. Thirty-four points. Thirty-four points. Well, guys, yeah. listen. I'm forty-two years old. I was never that good of a basketball player in America because everybody plays, and I never. I didn't even make my high school basketball team. I really wanted to. Basketball was there anyone else playing this game where you scored thirty-four points, or was it just <laughs> you practicing in the Y by yourself? It was it was me versus my two boys. <laughs> no, Stop it! Was on. it really? No, it wasn't. It was a real okay. game, but but it's uh, it it was a gun. Yeah, they, there were some young kids we were playing against, like 18, 20 year olds. But um, but yeah, it's catching on. Basketball is. It used to be kind of a like a B C level sport here, but now it's up in the A level. I'd say. <laughs> 